Hello, hello, and welcome to the AM Sisters podcast. You're here today with your hosts, Anna and Maria Sering, and today we're going to talk about identity and self-acceptance. That is right. So today we're going to talk a little bit about our experiences dealing with this topic of identity and also how we have accepted ourselves the way we are and how we have overcome external judgment because, you know, people are going to have different perspectives perspectives about us, although we not always agree with that or we perceive ourselves differently. That's right. So um, to start our conversation, I'd like to talk a little bit about how um, the way people perceive us when we are children really impacts the way we perceive ourselves, right? I think especially because we are twins, we have mm-hmm. uh, experienced this a little bit differently from other people who have not had the experience of having a twin, right? Um, yeah, everything comes back to childhood, doesn't it? All our traumas, yes. our personalities, everything, the way we deal with things when we grow up, everything comes back to childhood and our identities for sure do. And like you were saying, the way people interact with us shapes us. And as twins, I feel judgment as well. And comparison is a key element of growing up as a twin and not a good point, actually. But I think um, in this case, the judgment itself and comparison happens in all families when they have more than one child, right? But I think in the case of twins, what is different is that it's not only the comparison itself, but it's about considering the two of us as one child. Mm, yeah. You know, because our identities have become mingled. We became one person in many situations, confusing our names, not knowing who they were talking to, considering that our personalities, our tastes, everything we did should be the same. And because we were molded and influenced to behave that way, we in many ways have become to to like behave and be very similar to each other. Yeah, I think, but at the same time, it created this urge to be different as well. Because I remember when we were very young, like our mother used to dress us in the same way, <laughs> same haircut, same clothes, same everything, uh, buy everything double, <laughs> the same exact exact toy, but for the two of us and. There was a point, I think, we were, I don't know, maybe seven years old or a bit younger. We were like, no, I'm deciding my own clothes. I'm doing my own thing. And from that point on, we basically didn't do similar things. Even though we interact with people and we have somehow similar personalities, I feel that we chose different pathways in many ways, like choosing different musical instruments or choosing different languages to learn and all those little things. What do you think? I agree, but I think this differentiation really happened when we were going to university. Because Mm -hmm. during high school, I mean, high school is not a good experience, I think, for many people, including yourself. I didn't like high school at all. It's a jungle. Yes, it's like a jungle. But, you know... When people start saying, oh, you're really good at this subject and you're really good at this other subject, but not so good in this one, you kind of accept that as a truth to yourself 
which sometimes is not exactly right because we are good at many things, right? So it's not like, oh, you're the twin who is good at science and math, like was my case, and you're the sister who is good at writing or, you know, social sciences, whatever, because we both can be good at those subjects. And, but I think because during our teenage years, we are always looking for this reassurance, you know, uh, and people saying you're good at this thing, yeah, kind of become, you know, you kind of believe that as who you are, and I think that's why, like, although we wanted to study, I remember arts and cinema, which are kind of like, kind of in the same way, same direction, you know, arts and creative. creativity and all that. We were influenced by our parents and our peers to do something else. So in my case, I studied science and technology. <laughs> I studied engineering and you studied international relations, so social sciences and all that. Yeah, but I think it was a bit different there because I actually enjoy international relations and my parents didn't allow me to go study art or anything like that because they're like, you need to find a job that's gonna pay your bills. And I understand them because they come from this family of people who migrated and etc. So they want stability for us. And but at the same time, I kind of dribbled them because I was like, okay, I'm not going to study art, but I'm going to study something interesting that I also like. So international relations. They had no idea what it was, but it sounded fancy. I don't know. So they're like, okay, go ahead, study that. But in your case, you're kind of like, okay, you want to cut my wings? Okay, I'll just do whatever you want. So it was a very but sad I think, like, thing. Even way before that, when I was, I don't know, in the seventh grade, I was asked what I wanted to do when I grew up, and I said I want to be a scientist, mm, or yeah, I want to be, do. or I want to volunteer and do charity work. Yeah, yeah I remember. So, so I think I've always, I've always been interested about science, but it was not my passion. You know, that's the difference. Well, my answer was terrible. <laughs> Okay, I had two answers. One was when I was very, very, very young. I said I wanted to sell ice cream. (laughs) Because, well, who doesn't, right? If you're like five years old. But then when we were in school and I remember you you answered that you wanted to be a volunteer, I said I wanted to be president. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted to be president of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Okay, I ended up studying political science, so it's the closest I could get to that. Yeah, that's true. And I think, yeah, we kind of got to study things that were quite similar to what we said during our childhood, but I think it was not our passion anyway. One thing I also wanted to mention about how childhood impacts who we are, it's not only in the sense of, like like you were saying, compliments. So I feel that if you get compliments from your from your parents, for example, because you do good in school and you have good grades, you're going to associate that having good grades or having these achievements in, I don't know, in school, university, your workplace, that's the only thing that's going to bring approval, like approval from others. And I don't know if you're, even like gender differentiation, if you always said, oh, you're a good girl because you're quiet. You're a good girl because you listen to your parents or you listen to older people. You're a good girl because it's the net. Or you're a good boy because you 
you try different things because your adventure is whatever. I think this also shapes how kids grow up and what they get their sense of approval from the world. And so maybe those patterns that were reinforced when you were very young, they still play out in our adulthood. Yeah, for sure. And also, we kind of associate love with um, the things people are praising us, right? So, yeah. oh, um, my parents will only love me if I do, do well in school, if I behave well, if this and that. And no love. Love should be unconditional, right? Yeah. I, I think I even wrote about that in a post or, or blog. Yeah, you did. It's pretty good. You should check it out. But it's pretty hard to have unconditional love. Although we say parents have unconditional love, I think maybe they do have, but I don't know how to express it well in a way that is not misunderstood in the subconscious of the kid. Right? So, um, why don't we talk a little bit about how the perception of ourselves have changed uh, while we were growing up or, you know, when we moved countries. Okay. Do you want to start? You can go ahead. Um, okay. So I feel, okay, in Brazil, people see us as very Japanese, I feel, or Asian. Asian in general. They, Eastern Asian. I don't know. They can recognize that we are not Westerner or Brazilian or whatever it means. So they already have this preconceived notions of what an Asian person is. So people always thought I was quiet and very, not shy, but very focused on my things and that I studied hard. I worked hard, introverted, and that I had to do well in school and all those things. So I think those were external things already uh, projected in me when I was living in Brazil. I think university, that changed a little bit, but not that much. But I'm not introverted. I mean, I'm an ambivert, I would say. I need my alone time, but I'm not shy. And that's what people mistake, I feel. Because I can go out and say and socialize and do my things and do speeches or whatever I need to do. And I'm comfortable with that. But people just assume I'm something. I'm not. I think the same for you, right? Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to point out is that when people say, oh, you did well in that test, you're so smart because you're Asian. I mean, oh, yeah. it makes no sense. You're saying that I did, didn't have like any effort, you didn't put any effort into that, you know, just because I'm Asian, that's the reason why I do well on my test. That's really bad. I didn't like to hear that at all. And, you know, every time people associated my ethnicity, you know, with uh, my achievements, it makes no sense. And although I agree, being, you know, raised by an Asian parent can very much influence how, you, how you're going to do with stuff, you know. You're going to have, I mean, in our case, we had more discipline, I think, compared to other kids in our family because of this upbringing. But it's not because of that that we did the things we did, right? And I feel it wasn't really our mom that put this pressure on us, even though she's the Japanese part of the family. I feel Mm -hmm. it was more the environment we were introduced to, like the Japanese community back home. 
and the discipline of being in the dance group and in taiko and all those things. Though, and even like studying Japanese since we we're pretty young, I think those things brought us discipline and not exactly our household because our parents, they, uh, they're okay. They don't really pressure us to, to anything and they're always praising us. I, okay, but if I get like a B grade and you get an A, I remember they would come like, hey, what happened? <laughs> but that, that was it. It wasn't really all the time. Like, you have to do this. You have to be the best. They, they never really put the pressure on us to be the best. But yeah, you wanted so to think, say? I think like um, moving to Japan, um, I don't know. I think when I moved here, I my energy shifted a little bit as well. You know, I was excited because it was something new, and I was meeting new people from all over the world, and you know, I was happy about it. But my personality itself didn't really change. I think only my mood changed. You know, I was not bored like I was back in Brazil doing the same thing every day and all that. So, but for me, it was a Big surprise when my some Japanese people that I know they told me that they thought how I was like very extroverted and you know like full of energy and all that, which was exactly the opposite as I was perceived back home in Brazil. And even compared to some international friends, now even though I'm in Japan, they don't think I am super extroverted, they think I am shy and all that, like they did in Brazil. I think it's only about cultural perception, you know. Because people sure. in Japan, Japanese people usually, they are very reserved. So when they meet a foreigner, probably comparing themselves or their friends with the foreign friend, foreign friend probably will have this... Extrovert like type. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's almost like a label, you know. yeah. If you're a foreigner, you are extroverted. You are and if you're from crazy. Latin America, especially. Yeah. Yes, especially, yeah. And Latino, I mean, the I... Latinas. We're the crazy yes. ones everywhere. <laughs> we have this image here, but... Mm. So it's something that we have to deal as well with that. Because only by saying, I am Brazilian, people already have many labels in their heads of what you are who you are, which um, most of the times are not true. Mm -hmm. That's why sometimes I don't say where I'm from or anything. I just introduce my name and that's it. And if they people want to know, I, I answer, of course. But it's not like in my introduction, hello, I'm from this country and that because perceptions already come. And I think like physical appearance also counts a lot, how people notice you. Because when I first came to Korea, I had blonde hair and this like very light, almost white blonde hair. Platinum <laughs> so, blonde. Platinum blonde. And I remember even my international friends, like the girls that I lived together in the dormitory, they were from all over the place. And one of my closest friends now, she was like, oh, I thought you didn't like me at that time. Because they, she thought I looked kind of, how do I say this? Kind of snob. Snobbish. Because because the way I looked, I was like, what the hell? No, I'm super kind to everyone. And they're like, yeah, you're the sweetest. I'm sorry, I had this wrong first impression of you. And people told me, like, even in Brazil, 
already had this blown hair in Brazil as well. And some people said, oh, you look so confident. Like, you all cologne in the campus. It looks like you don't need anyone and you're fine by yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, it just looks like you're good and you don't need anyone else in your life. And I was like, oh, that's not the case. You know, I'm just busy going up and down, doing things I need to do. And it doesn't mean that I don't welcome people or friends into my life. Mm -hmm. I think it's a wrong first impression. And here in Korea, I stood out too much with the blonde hair as well. Because I already look foreign here. And with the crazy hair as well, people would stare even more. I think maybe that's why I wanted to go back to a darker look. Because I can fit in better and people don't stare that much. Yeah, I think in my case, people thought that I looked like kind of strict. My personality was kind of like kind of a square person. <laughs> Which is not completely true i don't think so and but you're serious know. because you i don't know you're always stressed because of school <laughs> yeah. that's why you always had this kind of aura coming like don't don't talk to me right now i have things to do that energy you know that you don't have right now mm -hmm. so yeah it depends on what we're doing which place we are and But for me, it's quite of a kind of a weird experience here in Japan. Um, usually, when people look at me, most people would say they think I'm Japanese or at least somehow Japanese. Maybe not quite Japanese, like true Japanese. There, there so yeah, much. I think of Japanese. So usually, people come talk to me straight in Japanese, and I don't get it because my Japanese uh, language skills are not really good <laughs> so i feel sometimes a little bit conflicted you know like well part of my family was here from japan and i'm here in japan so maybe i should behave yeah. more like them or be more like them and just causes me lots of stress sometimes you know trying to fit in and not not standing out too much because sometimes I feel people are staring at me or I'm just too self-conscious, you know? And this is something I'm working on and I think it's getting better with time, you know, just not caring so much about what other people are thinking and just be good with yourself and accept who you are in that state of life. Accept the way you look, you know? Yeah, I'm from Brazil, but I kind of look Asian, but I'm not from Asia. So even here, I feel like um, I don't really know where I fit in. But I think we all are trying to find our place, you know. Yeah. Even if you don't have this um, ethnicity identity. identity issue like we have, mm. probably you have others in your mind. And we have to make peace with that part of ourselves and say, well, it's fine. I don't have to I'm be different. accepted by others. I'm just the way I am. And also it's okay to be different because I completely get what you said. If I were living in Japan, I would feel the pressure as well. Because when I went to visit you, people, they thought I was Japanese as well. And the funny thing that happened as well was like when you came to Korea, I feel. Because when I'm walking alone by myself, people never think I'm Japanese. And they never think I am, I don't know, they think I'm from the US or anywhere. 
and they go straight to speaking Korean with me or try to speak a broken English. And then when you were here, people try to speak Japanese with us. And I was like, what the hell? When I'm, <laughs> we're twins and I'm alone, I don't give the Japanese vibe. But when you are with me, they thought we were. So I was like, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Social experiment. <laughs> yeah. And, but I feel like coming to Korea, for example, it was also this, adaptation to my own identity again all over again because when like we said when we were in brazil people always saw us as japanese but then i came here and korea has this issue with japan historical problems and they have they don't get along very well honestly so i don't like saying that i'm japanese right from the batch and i kind of had to cut down a little bit on that part of my own identity. But I was like, okay, but I'm not the typical Brazilian as well. And people don't think I'm Brazilian. So every time I say I'm Brazilian, they come with like, oh, so you do play soccer or do you know samba or oh, your skin is very light. Are you really Brazilian? And I was like, yeah, I am. So all those misconceptions about countries and I had to come with terms with that and just accept that I am who I am. It doesn't really matter what people think of it. But I feel as well that the way we perceived or identity and how you want to stand out and be unique and how you want to fit in is very different in our country, like Western countries and here. Because in Western societies, everyone wants to be different. It's like something good to be unique. You want to be this little star. And here, on the other hand, it's like it's better to be part of the group because you're a community and you're together in this. I agree, but I think like everywhere we have those standards that everyone wants to fit in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within sure. the standard, you want to be the different one, which makes no Within sense. Within the standard, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but makes no sense at the same time, right? It's like when people make the joke about writing, it's like everyone should be the most, like, I don't know, unique, beautiful, perfect, right? But all of them wear white and have the diamond ring. How different yeah. is that? You and everyone else. <laughs> so I think the same here. Like, but I was really surprised coming to Asia and noticing how people are really similar. <laughs> because, no, but like, in Brazil, we have people from all all different, you know, ethnicities and color, shape, sizes, sounds. everything. Shape, sizes, everything, yes. Yeah. All colors and all sizes. And it's beautiful to see all this diversity. I agree. But coming over here, everyone's kind of... They're similar because they have the same ethnicity, right? We don't see a lot of foreigners over here. Although I live in Tokyo, but still. So, I don't know. I think people have more pressure here to fit in to be in this standard of beauty, to wait a certain weight, to have, you know, this style, to have this look. And if you're at that age and you don't look like that, it's not acceptable as well. So, you know, it's kind of very, I think it's more strict, I would say. What and, was your impression of Korea? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> because I think, first thing Japan, everyone is look alike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come here. <laughs> I mean, I think the different part is that here, everyone, if there's something trendy, everyone will wear. 
what is trendy. The same clothes, the same shoes, the same... So it's not because people look alike, like physically. They, they do because they're part of the same ethnicity. They kind of look alike. They have more or less the same facial structure. There's like two main shapes, I would say, that people have. And, well, like, they like to wear the same clothes. They like to put the same style in. And this brings them comfort, I feel. Yeah. Because they're like, yeah, I know what's trendy. I know what's fashion. I'm in. You don't want to be in. You don't want to be out. You know, that's the impression I have. And also, people have different levels of how they talk to people and how they behave. The language also changes. So they need to know where you are in society all the time so they can know how to behave with you. And that's another feature that I didn't, we didn't have back home. Not to, not to talk about plastic surgery, right? Which in, in Korea is huge. Like everyone still looks the same. Mm. I, no, I cannot generalize, but there's a big yeah, but the standard is pretty. Surgery. Yeah. The, st- the beauty standard is pretty strict, I would say. I mean, we can talk about representativity, you know. If you look at the Korean dramas, the Japanese dramas, there's only one type being represented there. You don't see lots of diversity, you know. Yeah. So that's how people feel pressured to be that way. I'm not saying that American dramas or Brazilian TV is not, you know, the most portraying one type of beauty standard. It is also doing that, but I think we have we have more representativity than over here. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's why it's so important to have inclusivity in media and TV shows and movies and all those things because. You will introduce to new generation what is okay, and you kind of teach them what is acceptable and what is not based on what they're seeing. So you should think better about it. So I wanted to talk a bit about the concept like authenticity, because I feel that this is important to see the difference between Eastern and Western countries as well. So I was reading this article <laughs> written by Rebecca J. Erickson, and it's about the, the importance of authenticity for self and society. And she talks about the difference between sincerity and authenticity. So sincerity refers to whether a person represents herself truly and honestly to others. And it doesn't refer to, to oneself. But authenticity, on the other hand, is one's relationship to oneself. And when you're inauthentic, becomes, it's a thing when you become strange to oneself and you don't follow um, the principles you have committed to or your, the principles you have. So I feel that for you to feel comfortable in your own skin, you need to feel this authenticity because it's not like you're trying to behave in a certain way for other people. But you're actually being honest to yourself. And of course, we have to shift and kind of have this role identities depending on which situation we are. So we have this identity as sister, as daughter, as student, as this, as that. But at the end, we also have a commitment to our own self and to who we truly are inside. And I feel that this concept of self is extremely connected to individuality. And individuality 
is something praised in Western countries, countries when you know or not, and not that much here in Eastern culture. In some places, not everyone, of course, but I feel that this notion of authenticity is kind of the key point where we can feel free to be who we are, not so self-conscious, you know. I would say um, one of your tips or how have you become more comfortable with yourself being in a foreign country or even, you know, not looking like or not being perceived as the same as your peers or the same as the people around you? Can you share a little bit about your experience? Well, I basically had to be comfortable with the fact that I'm not Korean and that I'm different and that's it. Because, of course, it's uncomfortable when people stare at you or... But, like, that wasn't really a big problem for me because I kind of look alike somehow. But I have friends, for example, from African countries that definitely look very different from Korean people. And, like, very, very old people, sometimes they ask to touch their hair or touch their skin and this and that and make comments. And it's not being racist or rude because they're very old. They just don't know who they are. Sometimes I feel like that. But those extremes never happen to me, so I'm okay. But you just have to be okay, I guess, if weird things happen and you know you're a foreigner. And I feel some countries, they make foreigners feel at home and others won't, don't. And that's, that won't change so easily, I think. So I think when we talk about that, it's also important to talk about the performance of your own identity because most of the times we don't even notice that what we are doing is a performance like butler said <laughs> yeah. but you know for example in japan especially when i arrived i was really self-conscious because i didn't want to stand stand out and you know behave like the foreigner <laughs> and we kind of perform things. We kind of start noticing the way people behave here and copy some of their, you know, body language and the way they speak. Like even one of the things that I really, that really got into me was like saying itadakimasu before eating. I always say that even when I'm alone mm. or like bowing. I like bow all the time now, even <laughs> for foreigners. Like, like nod to them. It's not really about a kind of nod to them because I think it's a polite way just to acknowledge they are there. Like just say hi. I don't know. Some things I don't like. For example, laughing, covering my mouth and the high-pitched voice. I don't really like that because I have some problems with, with that and infantilization of the feminine. And there's another topic for another day, but... Um, but talking about our performance of identity, I think it came to a point that I was like, oh, well, I got to accept myself the way I am, even though I want to blend in, even though I don't want people to perceive me as a strange person, you know, because I kind of look Japanese, so it's not obvious that I am foreigner sometimes, like a foreigner. So having this 
his position that I don't look like a foreigner, don't look like Japanese. I thought it was kind of a weirdo sometimes, but I kind of accepted that, you know, just be who I am. And to get to this point, I think it's important to reflect on our own, um, how do I say, confidence, being confident in our own skin and, you know, being confident about our life not only in one specific aspect of our life, but, you know, just gaining confidence in general, because then we behave differently and we face things differently in all aspects of our lives. Um, you want to share a little bit about gaining confidence? Okay, first I just wanted to mention one thing that I noticed about myself that I end up doing more, like, to fit in, I feel, that I end up being very polite, like, extremely polite to everyone. Because yeah. I don't want to offend anyone by mistake. Yeah. So in comparison, even like to regular Korean people, I tend to speak in a more polite way to others. And even like in small situations, we go like to the convenience store and I always like say very thank you and put it up. And it was kind of one of my ways to be accepted somehow. I think it's like, just because we feel that we don't want to break any rules here. Yeah. Kind of, so we're, we're, Walking on on eggshells, yeah. Because we don't know what is considered right, what is considered wrong when we just arrived. So we kind of we we tried our best to be polite all the time and to do the right thing all the time. So that's that's why we're so like self conscious and super polite, and, like you know, I don't everything. Yes, yeah. and trying to notice what the locals are doing because the locals know <laughs> how to way to behave in that situation. Yeah. So yeah. But what you were saying about confidence, I feel it's true. When you gain confidence in one area of your life, it kind of radiates to others. So one of the things I think that you can gain confidence from is like finding one thing you're good at or finding joy in things you're doing and finding things you can do for other people. Because most of the time we're so self-centered, you know, like, oh, me, 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 me. But when we find things we can do for others and we see we can help and receive appreciation from those things, that boosts our confidence for sure. So in that confidence, you carry yourself up straight and you can go do the things you need and just changes your mood and changes the way you perceive yourself. So that's one of the tips I have, I guess. Take the attention from you a little bit and then you won't feel so self-conscious. That's true. That's super true. Because if you have a broader focus, you know, a different perspective is not only about yourself. And you can relax a little more. Yeah. I think not in our case, we feel, we felt a lot of pressure because we are, we were super perfectionists. Yeah. So we didn't want to make a single mistake. Otherwise, it would be like the end of the world. That's why it's hard to learn a new language. Mm. That's why it's so hard to start speaking because mistakes will come and you're going to feel like you want to die every time you sleep, you know? Yeah, even in English, I know. Even like, in English, yeah. We're used to speaking in English all the time, and but still, not having the perfect pronunciation or speaking some or not knowing how to speak some words perfectly also is something that we ha we kind of have to be Okay, we're going to improve. 
with time, but otherwise we're just not doing anything. Yeah. So um, just some final thoughts now. If you guys um, had any experience living somewhere else or even in your own home country, it would be great to know how have you accepted yourself and if you feel pressure to be a certain way, how can you say, well, that's an imposition over my own identity and having this capacity to put on a um, healthy boundary between the external pressure and your own authenticity, your own self. Yeah, please let us know. And it doesn't need to be moving to another place. It can also be between your peers if you work in an environment where you feel you have to fit in so people accept you. Or if you're younger, like a teenager, so much heavier the pressure from other people. So let us know how you deal with that. And please always remember that you're loved, you're accepted, you're beautiful being just the way you are. And I know as cheesy as it sounds, it is true. And be the authentic you, always. That's why we have this community. We accept everyone and we're trying to bring more diversity into this world. So share yeah, your story are, with us. And we are focusing on growing together here. No one's perfect. We are all, you know, trying to be a better version of ourselves every single day. So we're all together in this journey of self-development. And we would love to hear your own personal story. So don't forget to, if you're here on YouTube, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Leave us a comment. If you're listening to us on podcast, also you can share, share, <laughs> and evaluate this podcast if you liked what you heard. And leave us comments on what you want to listen around here. Yes, we are very curious to know what you are interested about. And then we can create more content on things that you would like to hear. That's right. So... Stay Thank tuned you very and much. see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye.